checking in with Mike Williams from the LA Chargers, and you're tuning in to Chargers Unleashed. Welcome to another edition of Chargers Unleashed. Jake Hefner and Dale Wolkenstein here with you from the LA Football Network. Today's show, of course, being brought to you by Underdog Fantasy Aura, AG1, Mint Mobile, and Rock Solid Sports Memorabilia. If this is your first time tuning in the show, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Dan Wolkenstein, the more things change, the more they stay the same. It's pretty much the narrative that you could put on the 2023 Chargers season. Chargers lose their third straight game in a row as they fall to the Baltimore Ravens in primetime on Sunday night football in a pretty embarrassing fashion as it relates to at least one side of the ball. And much like we were talking about during the live show yesterday before the games got underway, neither one of us expected to go and win in this game. We knew what Baltimore was about. We knew how they handled business. We expected them to uh, go in there and get a win. I think it's more of the circumstantial from the way that it ended up taking place was the bigger surprise, though, Dan. But um, no matter which way you slice it, the results still came out the same. And the Chargers now sit at four and seven. Mathematically, those playoff hopes, the last I saw, Dan, were at 12%. I consider it a lot lower than that. I think that was, uh, I mean, also, was it 12% prior to the game? I think they still had it adjusted just based off of how everybody else did in the league that it was still 12%. Again, the playoffs to me are, are, are done. There's, there's, there's no 2023 playoffs for the Chargers this season, given who they have left remaining to play. Um, and, it is an, and it's an unfortunate ending to an otherwise season that a lot of people had high expectations of. God, it could be 2018 and me saying that same line... <laughs> Is still just ridiculous. I literally just caught myself. So it's like you could, I could have said that exact same thing, and you wouldn't know what year I was talking about. But nonetheless, Dan, <laughs> I know, I know you're ready for this one. You put out a tweet earlier today talking about a little bit of a tease on how this episode was going. You're not wrong, but I know you're ready for it. Hard Truth Mondays with Dan Wolkenstein. Oh, do I have feelings on this one? I am like, I'm not shaking, but I am so over the shit that we are seeing on the field and throughout this organization. And I'm just tired of it. And Chargers fans, most of them, deserve better than this. The way that this team just shoots itself in the foot. And the way that they find miraculous ways to lose, it is infuriating. And I'm, I was at the game, and I'm sitting there watching all this kind of transpire. Fourth quarter, you know, things are going to get tight. I'm numb. And this is like before the last offensive series. I feel like disconnected from the team emotionally because of how numb I am to this pain covering, watching, being a fan of this team. This team consistently lets itself down. This team consistently fails in the biggest moments. This team is not what is being paid for the cap space that is being used is not on the field. 
And from top to bottom, coaching, general manager, VP of operations, players, stars, depth, coordinators. Show me who has been successful. Everyone holds blame on this. And yes, Brandon Staley is the head coach. He's the one in charge, at least the face of the team. He will take the fall. He will be the guy everybody blames. And I get it. I get it. That's the unfair or known life as a head coach. Brandon Staley has not been good enough this season. I think even he would tell you that. And he has said that. But if you think that this is just a Brandon Staley issue, you are so naive and you are so wrong. And I don't have enough emotion right now to go through. Maybe I do. I don't know. I might just hit the gas and go full brakes and go no brakes on this one. But systemically, Jake, like this team is broken. Like it just, and maybe this is me coming to the dark side or seeing the light or being too close to Jake Hefter for too long. I don't know if that's it, but the more and more I watch this team, the more and more I realize like this ain't it. This ain't it. And we'll get to like the, we'll get to the X's and O's a little bit of the Ravens game today, which I don't necessarily think anybody really cares about at this point, but we'll get to it a little, but it's bigger than all this. It's bigger than one game. It's bigger than one season. It's bigger than one side of the football. It's bigger than a head coach. It's this team just is built wrong. It's built wrong. So, Jake, I don't even know, like, where do you want to start on this? Other than if you were a betting man, parentheses, shout out to Underdog Fantasy, which we'll talk about. Uh, If you're a betting man, do we hear news of Brandon Staley this week? No. I don't know how many times I have to say this. I said it yesterday on the live show. I said it before, earlier on in the season, when we were starting to have these conversations. The Chargers will not fire Brandon Staley before the end of the season. They won't. And I'm not saying it from the standpoint of, agree or disagree on how you and whatever your feelings are about that. That's just how the organization does business. That's how they do business. There's a lot of reasons why you could say that a transition at this point in time right now with them pretty much out of playoff contention would be a smart move for the future, potentially knowing what you have or what you don't have. And then you can get a leg up on assessing what your off season is going to look like. Chargers team's not going to do that. They're just not going to do that because it's not the way that they're historically run. They didn't do it to Anthony Lynn. They didn't do it to Mike McCoy. They didn't do it to Norv Turner. They're not going to do this. So I understand everybody's frustration. I hear everybody's anger. But you just read the tea leaves of the organization. They're not going to do that. (sighs) So betting-wise, no. I know you, Dan, are a little bit... On the opposite side of this, to say when they're mathematically eliminated that you believe that that is when they will drop that news. I, on the other hand, I don't believe that that's the case. 
Okay, Jake, before I go further, let's talk about our friends over at Underdog Fantasy because I have some things to get off my chest. <laughs> He's just like, just get on with it already. Well, I want to tell everybody about the easiest way to get into the action uh, for the National Football League. It is Underdog Fantasy and their Pick'em game. Just pick higher or lower on your favorite or least favorite players and stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Pick between two and five players to fill out your Pick'em entry. Get every pick right and take home some cold, hard cash. Use the promo code UNLEASH and get your first deposit doubled up to $500 by Underdog dog go win yourself some money all right you said tell the truth mondays we're gonna let this thing our truth jake and i'm not holding back on this and i hope you don't either but you might need to hold me back jake i'm sitting there you know game's about to start i'm seeing brandon staley and this team kind of start making adjustments right which they've done all year people don't want to admit it they've done all year but now they're making personnel adjustments Michael Davis benched for Dean Leonard. You're seeing the same Bassey out there. You're seeing two lead. You're seeing some starters where you have like five defensive linemen all starting for this team. You're seeing guys like Jalen Hawkins play meaningful snaps. Then you look on the offense, you're seeing guys like Alex Erickson playing multiple meaningful snaps. And, I, and I'm watching this, Jake, and I'm looking at what is on the field right now. And so often we hear like this Chargers roster is just too talented to be in this position. Go look at the team that was on the field last night and tell me if you think that roster is too talented. The hard truth, Jake, the hard truth. So much of this roster that they've built and paid for is either not on the field or not earning the contract that they are given. Period. Listen to some of these numbers, Jake. Joey Bosa. Almost $16 million cap space. Not playing. And look at the tenure of Brandon Staley. Go look at how many games Joey Bosa has played. Mike Williams, $14 million cap hit. Not playing. Corey Lindsley, $13 million cap hit. Not playing. JC Jackson, $11.6 million cap hit. Not on the team. Michael Davis, $9.4 million cap hit. Benched. Austin Eckler. Trey Pipkins. Look at the dollar signs on this team and look at the contributions made by those guys. There's a lot of blame to go around here, and this is probably what this episode is going to be about, largely. This team, as it's constructed, is not good. Period. And there's a lot of shiny toys, a lot of great players that are masking the construction failures of this organization. And what makes it worse is even the shiny toys, so many of them are even playing. 
Uh, we're not even. We're just getting started, Jake. You better buckle up, sir. No, I'm fine, sir. It's it's almost again. It's I feel like I want to just you know. It's an endearing moment for me seeing you talk like this for a chase. It's nice when I don't have to feel like I'm battling you mm-hmm. in the previous years of doing this show and where it's like, okay, finally Dan has heard me just a little bit. Now I'm not trying to, you know, turn a narrative and pat myself on the back and say that I was right or anything like that because it's not what it was that's not what this is about. Dan and I would much rather be on this show talking about this team winning and contending for the playoffs. But Dan's absolutely right. In terms of what you want to say about Brandon Staley, the defense performed well last night. Okay? I know that's just a microcosm, and I know that that's one game, and it doesn't absolve anything else from the previous weeks that we have seen this defense struggle. But your defense, for the better part of four quarters, held Baltimore to their lowest offensive output, technically their second lowest offensive output, this entire season. Them scoring 20 points, that's the second lowest point total amount that Baltimore has scored this season. And honestly, the last seven of those points, I don't right. even... Whichever you want to say. It doesn't it. matter, but, but sure, yeah, yeah. Even with all the offensive turnovers that were had, Baltimore still only turned that into three points on the board. With those guys that I just with, told you were playing exactly. in secondary. Exactly. So we'll get into the whole offensive, defensive struggles of X's and O's like, Really, in the big picture, it doesn't matter at this point in time. It's from this is what this is what the Chargers do to the mainstream media. This is what they do to their fan base. Unfortunately, they're teases. You go back and you look at through Mike McCoy, Anthony Lynn, and now Brandon Staley. Each one of those head coaches had one playoff appearance during their each of their head coaching tenures. I say that in relation to those three because that those are the three that Tom Telesco has been under. And you go back and you look at the roster construction, even going back that far, some questionable decisions have been made. Now, I'm not going to say every single one of those picks has been bad for Tom Telesco. But in the bigger picture of things, we got we were just going over the 2019 draft on the live show yesterday. You look at that in hindsight from the standpoint of who's no longer on this roster from just four years ago. And really the only two remaining people on the, from that draft that's on it is Trey Pipkins and Easton Stick. That's bad drafting. That's not setting your team up for success. And that was one year before Justin Herbert arrived. And then when you look at more recently, what has taken place, Zay Flowers going off last night. I know that pained you. And a lot of that, fans. That was like just a knife through the heart for me personally. And I know a lot of other people just from the standpoint of what we were talking about in this show when it came to the wide receivers. And I don't like talking about that considering who it was that the Chargers selected and you just, but you look at what has taken place so far this season for both of those players, and it's polar opposites. It's absolutely polar opposites. In short, it looked like this organization took the long approach with that draft pick and going for Quentin Johnston, knowing that it was a somewhat project, but you would have thought that they would have gotten him more than this. 
but maybe versus that's the, like an immediate maybe that's the problem. No, no agree. I'm with you. I'm with you. Like that's a problem. Like that's not good when you've got an all-in team. How many projects have we talked about when it's come to selections from Tom Telesco, namely in the third round? You want to say Quentin Johnston? Okay, from the standpoint of him being raw and needed to develop a little bit more, but obviously for what he could do on the field outside of his catching problems, you know, needed some time to develop. And from where he came in on the draft chart, or excuse me, the uh, the depth chart, when you had a healthy wide receiver roster with Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Joshua Palmer, you felt like that would be a nice setup for him down the road. Unfortunately, circumstances change. Things had to get accelerated, and he has not been what this team has needed for him thus far. But you want to talk about those other questionable picks? Trey Pipkins, third round pick. Trey McKitty, third round pick. JT, JT Woods. Woods, third round pick. Every single one of those guys Isaiah had Spiller. the had the, you know, what do you call it? Project. The, yes, long-term project, raw, whatever you call it, label attached to them. Uh, yeah. Okay, Jake, this is like, <clears throat> we have, we're going to have a lot of time to kind of discuss some of this big picture stuff, but I think as I'm kind of processing a lot of this stuff, like to me, I think there needs to be a lot of questions in conversations centered around like roles and responsibilities for this organization from player to Roster construction and salary cap movement and draft selection and prioritization and who actually makes the call on this and who's in and outside of those decisions. Regardless of what this team does moving forward, somebody has to have a conversation and maybe it starts with Dean Spanos. I don't know where this starts, but the Chargers fans, like people deserve to know who is responsible for these decisions. Because it is so easy for people outside of the organization to just point fingers at someone, player, coaching staff, coordinator, the weather, doesn't matter. Like it's so easy to point fingers because like the mind wants to find something to blame. And if they have no concrete evidence, like it's gonna find it. But there has to start being a conversation about like these draft picks that you're talking about. Like, was that Anthony Lynn, Mike McCoy, and Brandon Staley making those selections or owning those selections or getting the last say in those selections? Or is that Tom Telesco? Or is that John Spanos? Or is it somebody else? Who owns these decisions? Who owns the decisions to re sign certain players? Who owns the decision to, like, this is the stuff that I think is plaguing this team. It does not appear that organizationally, it does not appear that there is alignment. And it's evident by how this team drafts. You go look at the first round pick this year, there's nobody in the world that can convince me that that was not Tom Telesco and Tom Telesco either alone or the one that made the final call. Do you think that's a Brandon's daily pick? Hell no. Quentin Johnston 
given that it's almost like, remember everybody was saying the Mike Williams comparisons based on how he was built? Well, that was a that was a player that Tom Telesco selected. Who knows? I know, I know where you're trying to connect the dots here. And I will say this. No one will ever know who really the responsibility falls on. But I, I get that. But yeah, this is why you have scapegoats. This is this why is guys why get organi- put This off is why the hook. systemically, organizationally, it's broken. Go look at Correct. Philly. Go look at Pittsburgh. Go look at the best teams in the NFL. You know damn well who's making decisions. Exactly. And that's where they are, where they are. But most ownerships don't like to give up that type of collaborative or con- creative control. And what we were told, what we were told, I remember still what we were told when the Chargers were searching for their new head coach before Brandon Staley was hired, is that there was going to be a much more collaborative approach. I remember the first year after Brandon Staley was hired, that they were bringing in Justin Herbert to have a lot more input on it. I remember Derwin James being talked about when Asante Samuel Jr. was ultimately selected. Like, we were told that there, there was collaboration there. Now, whether or not that's true or not is a mystery. At I mean, this look, point. The, the JC Jackson, you mentioned the JC Jackson thing. Like, that is, and I said it before, like, that is the one decision that I think has absolutely blown up in everyone's face sure. and has probably had the biggest trickle down effect. 100% of this defense. Like, if when he was still on this roster, Brandon Staley was rotating cornerbacks those first few weeks of the season, which did not end up panning out well for anybody involved. It didn't help JC Jackson. It didn't help Michael Davis. It didn't help your secondary in general. And that's why you were basically getting blown out and paper mache in your secondary every single week. And I'm sure that that was probably something where Brandon Staley and his defense needs a shutdown corner. At the time, let's go get the best one in the market. Tom Telesco delivers. And it doesn't work out. And it doesn't work out in miraculous fashion. Like, it could not have gone worse than that. And they're still holding the bag on that. So, again, like, I'm not saying, like, it's just Tom Telesco. Brandon Staley has made a ton of mistakes. I'll say, even this year, look at what this defense has done. Why did it take so long to bench Michael Davis? That's my point. Why? That's my point. Like, why? Did, like, there's a lot of issues that this defense has had. Now, but at the same time, like, who like, else is walking through that door? That exactly. And who do you blame for that? Do you do you really do you really feel good? For example, yesterday, how do you feel when you see Michael Davis get benched for Dean Leonard? You're like, oh, cool. Dean Leonard was pretty good in training camp, 2022 seventh round draft pick that we're now going to be expected expecting to see succeed against. Oh, I don't know, Lamar Jackson, Zay Flowers, and Odell Beckham. Like, you think that's a setup for success? Where's Tom Telesco? Like, what happened to Bryce Callahan? Why have we just sat and watched this thing happen? Again, who owns those decisions? I don't know. Like, the silver bullet isn't in the chamber. Look what the defense did last night. And look at the players on the field. Did they play better or worse than they should have been? You tell me. Defensively, defensively. If, it, if you want to just talk about points allowed to one of the most prolific offenses in the NFL coming into this game, you could say in that circumstance they played well. 
I mean, look, Khalil, Jake, Khalil Mack was playing like a dude who had his hair on fire last night. I thought Kenneth Murray had some good moments and some bad moments. I actually thought that his hit that he put on Gus Edwards was actually going to end up stopping him. And unfortunately, that second effort because Gus Edwards is a truck. Yep. And he ended up getting that conversion. Derwin James, bad angle at the end. But very, again, like, very but that, bad but angle. That, but that was, already, that was already like the game was over at right. that point. But, but for the better part of three and a half quarters, four for 13 on, first, on third down. You only allowed three points after the offensive turnovers that had taken place. Four turnovers. And, and this has been the God. bigger. This has been the bigger problem, Dan, of everything, because this is where, this is where the biggest blame falls on the coaching, because this has now been a roster that has been out there on the field, has familiarity with this coaching staff that's been constructed with this GM for the better part of three years. This is not. Brandon Staley's first year. This is not Tom Telesco's year. You know, coming into this, what it is that you have. You know, during the past two seasons, what it is that you have and what's coming into here. And the fact of the matter is, and Dan and I have spoken at this for the past several weeks, it has now been 12 weeks of the season. And we have failed to see both sides, offensive and defensive, play four quarters of football together. Three and I two. And I get it. I get yeah. it. Sometimes you win ugly, and you know sometimes you get lucky, and all that type of stuff. And you know not everybody's going to have a flawless game week to week. But for the fact that it has not been able to happen once for this Chargers team the entirety of the season, you your defense comes out plays better than you expected against Lamar Jackson and the number one seed in the AFC, and yet your offense, even going up against. That defense, which is damn good, self-inflicted mistakes, three turnovers. You had a you had a nineteen-play drive that went sixty-two yards that resulted in zero points. Two consecutive drives: Keenan Allen fumbles, Austin Eckler fumbles. Strip Your defense back. gave you the opportunities to go out and do something, and then of course there we were at the end of the game to see another situation for Justin Herbert to come in and try to have either a game tying or a game winning you know drive for himself and just like every other time that's happened this year Miami Dallas whatever you want to say to it defenses do exactly what they were doing in that in that situation they knew that they could get through this offensive line. They knew that they could blitz. That That is their key to victory. And there it was, like watching a bad rerun of we knew, we all Jaws knew the Revenge. Happening. We all knew it was happening. We all we knew all exactly knew what was going to happen. We were just hoping for different results. And what last that, I heard, a- that's the definition of insanity. And we all fell victim to it because we wanted to see this team win. Like how... Like, think about this, Jake. Like, your offensive line is in shambles right now. Your running game is non-existent. Although you still go first and 10, run up the middle for two yards every single time, which is like, what are we doing? You're Justin throwing- Herbert is still your leading rusher last night. <laughs> That's how bad your run game is. Your passing game 
this is a fun one, Jake. Your passing game, ready for this? Keenan Allen, you know, doing Keenan Allen things. 14 receptions on 16 targets for 106 yards. Balling, right? No other receiver on this team, Jake, had more than one reception. None. One receiver, Quentin Johnson, one reception, seven yards. Jalen Guyton, one reception, four yards. Darius Davis, one reception, two yards. Alex Erickson, one reception, 17 yards. 14 receptions to one receiver. No other receiver has more than one. Sounds like a predictable offense to me in terms of what the defense... I'm not sure if you ended up hearing this in the replay, Dan, but when they when Harbaugh came off the field at halftime, he basically admitted what they were doing to Keenan Allen in terms of doubling him as much as they could to take him out of that game. He didn't, shy, he didn't shy away from it, but you know what? That's exactly what you should be doing. That's what good head coaches do. You take away the best option that you have. Now, even though he still had the stats that he had, that's virtually the only weapon that the Chargers could go to outside of Gerald Everett, who didn't even have that much more production, yet he was the only Charger that ended up getting in the end zone. You have Darius Davis, who has two sweeps, isn't thrown to once. Which and this, is, my this is more of my question as it relates to coaching, Dan, and maybe the bigger picture here with the Quentin Johnson situation. Again, we've known that Mike Williams has been done for this season for weeks now. Four weeks. We knew that you weren't going to have Joshua Palmer for an extended period of time weeks ago. So you would think that two of the guys that you drafted, one in particular, put a very high investment in. I understand based off of what happened last week with the game on the line. You're not doing anything for this man's confidence by making the decision for him to not go back in the game. So let me get this straight. You're in a situation where the playoffs are on the line in a must-win scenario. And like you mentioned, Dan, Keenan Allen is your only offensive weapon that you're giving your quarterback to throw to. And when he goes down after, you know, his his failed incomplete pass because he had, you know, hurt something with his ribs, And then to hear Brandon Staley say that that was not a medical decision. It wasn't that he couldn't go back in, but based off the game flow, we decided that it would be best for him to not go back in. So you deprive your quarterback of another weapon that you really weren't using anyways. But this to me is just like what you were doing with Michael Davis and JC Jackson when you were rotating them, benching them, and for a player of his age, in Quentin Johnston in his first year as a rookie, what is this supposed to do to his confidence? How is this supposed to build any rapport between he and Justin Herbert moving forward? Like, That's why, wouldn't they, that I, why wouldn't they, instead of benching him, why wouldn't they, like, you know, do something that he's good at? Use him? Put him in a position where he can win, like, wh- like. But who do, who do you blame for that? That's coaching, Dan. No, but like, who? Like, is that Brandon Staley? Is that Kellen Moore? Like, who is that? 
I don't know who has the final say as far as to say who goes in and who goes out. Or who be, or how to use them. Like it, right. I, I would assume that when it comes to benching, benching probably that, final say goes to Brandon, probably. Yeah. That would probably be it. So him not going out, I would probably say that that sides with Brandon. I don't understand why you would not have one of your receiving weapons out there. And we're talking about Alex Erickson going in at that point of the game over Quentin Johnston, who you spent a first-round pick on. That doesn't make sense. This is one piece of a giant pie totally. of problems and responsibilities that has plagued this team, not just since Brandon Staley has been here, but it's for the better part of over 10 years. Jake, you and I talked offline, and you brought up a really interesting point, and a good point. We all know uh, how I have felt about a certain wide receiver who is out in Houston, balling out. We all know how Jake feels about the guy who just torched the Chargers last night. Zay Flowers. Let's say the Chargers drafted Zay Flowers or Tank Dell or who, whoever else. Given how they have handled Quentin Johnston in this offense, Jake, you posed the question to me. What makes you, us, believe that they would utilize this receiver in a way that would allow him to be as successful as they have been on other teams? Correct. Correct. And that's taking into everything in the same situation that Quinn Johnson was drafted into. Assuming that you still had Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Joshua Palmer as your wide receiver, one, two, and three. Yep. Do any of you believe? that this coaching staff would be utilizing them the way that D'Amico Ryans is using Tank Dell in Houston right now, or that John Harbaugh has been utilizing Zay Flowers right now? Think about that. Just think about that. Me personally, no. And I think that that's been more proven from the standpoint that you haven't had Mike Williams since week three. And yet you still can't find ways to integrate Quentin Johnston and Darius Davis into this offense more. I have a question for you, Jake, and I want people to, I hope people can take a second and really think about this. I'm kind of looking at, you know, coaching versus players and execution, all that kind of stuff. And there were a couple responses from Brandon Staley last night that, you and I kind of talked about offline where it sounded a little questionable of if he, one, if the coach should say that, and two, if the coach is right or wrong in saying it. And the the question that I have is, this team has failed this year. I don't think anybody's questioning that. Is it a matter of... quality roster brought down by coaching is it quality coaching brought down by roster or is it bad roster bad coaching like for example last night to me that seemed like in short bad roster Coaching kind of did all it could to bring those guys up to battle with the team 
That was way above their pay grade in terms of skill, in my opinion. But what say you? Like overall, which of those three things is it? Is it good coaching, but bad talent? Good talent, bad coaching? Or bad, bad? You know, I've said this. You can only use the talent excuse for so long. At some point, if you don't have the right coaching there to develop you, you're not going to improve as a player. So when we see these people talk about, you know, oh, the Chargers have an immensely talented roster, I challenge you to look at that statement again more closely. How talented is it really? I'm talking about this moment right now, let's just say since week three. And again, this is where the shared blame comes into play because it's coaching, complimentary football, and then execution. Offensively and defensively, this team has just not been able to put it together. They have not been able to put it together out there. And it's really a shame when we're talking about the likes of Justin Herbert, who has had bad games this year. Keenan Allen over the last two weeks has done stuff very uncharacteristic to him. Derwin James, who has had some bad games this year. Joey Bosa, who has not been unavailable or who has been unavailable for the better part of this year. Austin Eckler and what, unfortunately, his, his season is checking out to be Mike Davis. This offensive, on and on and on. this offensive line underperforming, it, it's not as good as what people are making it out to be. Let's just say that. And I'm not trying to say that as a narrative to take weight off of Justin Herbert's shoulders. because Or to absolve Brandon Staley. Right. We're not, like, that's not what this is. But there's, there's a combination of things that go into that. That's player cohesion, that's coaching, and that's ultimately executing on the field. I don't care how much time during the week that you game prep for something. If you can't put that together on Sundays, what the hell does it matter? And who and who else is walking through that door? There's only so many personnel decisions that a coaching staff can make when there's nobody else through that door. Trey Pipkins has not played well this year. Who's walking through that door to replace him? Mike Davis was replaced by a seventh-round draft pick. Asante Samuel Jr., who would you replace him with? Like, who are you going to replace? Like, Alex Erickson is the receiver that you're counting on these days. You've got two running backs that aren't able to get anything going. Now you can blame line, you can blame runner, whatever. Isaiah Spiller is still not being utilized. Another Secondary. draft pick. And not that I'm saying that he would do any better behind this offense. What are line. we doing with I'm, him? I'm just saying, yeah, bigger picture of stuff. Like I'm, I'm sitting here, Jake, I'm watching, I'm looking at you and I see that Hellfire Club and I'm just like, man, that's so fitting. Like, I don't know if you meant to do that, but that's impressive. I didn't, you know, this is just my Stranger <laughs> Fans thing coming out of me. So, but now that you've said Stranger that, Things fan, Stranger Things yes. fan. Fandom, yes, that's what I meant to say. <laughs> Fandom, yes. But now that you say I, that, I, I, I get your linkage there. Not bad. So, like, you know, the, the, the bigger picture here is like, what do you do with this? 
Like honestly, I think I think everybody knows the answer to that. There's no saving the 2023 season, unfortunately. But even the Chargers, even moving forward, that's my point, Dan. Even let's just say hypothetically, the Chargers do the moves that people expect them to do in the off season. Like I said yesterday on our live stream, I do not envy Ed McGuire coming up over these next few months with the contract situations that he has looming over his head, some of which he had a part in executing. But the Chargers are already going to be so far over the cap by the time this season's over. What are you going to do to even make that feasible to be able to sign one, maybe two free agents? Who are you going to keep? You got roster decisions to make next year on rookie contracts that will be going into their final year last year, or excuse me, next year. I hate saying this, Dan, and I really do. No matter who the head coach or who the GM is going to be next year, unfortunately, I believe that 2024 is going to have to be a reset, rebuild year. And how, like how though? Like what? what like what does that mean? Like I, like does that mean? Well, fire, here, like, like does that mean here, fire sale roster was? It could. It, that's a facet of that that to me is totally a possibility. I don't know how from a standpoint of what you would use as far as fire sale goes when you're talking about those big time contracts in terms of getting out from underneath that dead money because you're not going to be able to get out from it just like that and make it immediately go away. No, you're still going to have to be paying for some of it. Here's the only difference to me, Dan is you have to hit virtually a home run on a majority of all of your draft picks. Because that's I, happened. I would say that in in terms of what you have, the weight that's pulling you down from your, uh, from your salary cap situation, I would say that the best strategy is to accumulate more draft picks Agreed. in order to help you from <laughs> the lower end of spending. Who's making the draft just, picks. That's that's my point. I'm saying if if everything that we expect to happen ends up happening, meaning and, meaning GM coach is what you're yes. saying. Okay. And the bigger thing, Dan, that could end up proving what I'm saying right now in terms of a possible rebuild season for next year is ultimately going to be: Can you get the most out of lesser talent at the surface level? And this and is that's going to be the difference of coaching. This is That's going to be the difference of coaching. Because this is what I saw from last night's game, Jake, is talent is not the problem. Like, let me rephrase. Let me rephrase. I get where you're going with it, but I don't entirely agree with it. Let me let me rephrase. Sorry, that's that's not what I meant. You saw this team with a whole bunch of guys you never heard of put up a pretty valiant effort. On defense, and hell, I don't, they put an effort on offense. It didn't work, but they went toe to toe with a really good team, and then finally, at the very end of the game, the dam broke. I don't necessarily know if the team with the most talent is the team that always wins. Is what I'm trying to say. It's and it's not, and I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that, Dan. Like it takes a bit of both, obviously, but. I think if, if you, you if I could if I if I had a choice between like having the top heavy type roster the team has right now, if I had you know I'm just using 
parallels. Five A-plus guys, and the rest of them are like C at best. Or having 15 B-pluses and a bunch of... like I'd take the latter. Dan, I'm glad you said that because just look at the coaching that's present right now in the NFL. How the Steelers are still winning games with their anemic offensive play is crazy. But that's the Mike Tomlin effect. That is... That is why he has never had a losing season since he has been the head coach. Look at the Cleveland Browns, still in contention, even though they are devoid of a franchise quarterback right now, but their defense is still damn good. Minnesota is still fighting for the playoff spots after essentially being written off after the Chargers beat them in week three. Dan, you want a good, really good example of this? Remember how many defensive starters, fresh faces the Kansas City Chiefs had on their roster Last year, they're a top five. Co- they're a top five defense right now. That's coaching, and that's the difference. And look at the that's Texans the X factor. Look at what the Houston Texans have done in one year. Look at the Denver Broncos in one year. Hell, the Oak, the Oakland, the Las Vegas Raiders have a better record than the Chargers. You have the same record as the New York Giants right now. Now, at the end of the day, it's all about wins and losses, right? And you could and you could argue that some of the like some of these bad teams have lost way more emphatically than the Chargers. But like it doesn't matter. Loss is a loss. You can spin it however you want. What has happened with the Los Angeles Chargers could be a 30 for 30 episode. <laughs> like you, it is to put it like 30 for 30. The last thirty years of the Chargers, essentially, 30, is how 30 for thirty, work. thirty for thirty yeah. for thirty, <laughs> right? Exactly. But to put the bow on that, Dan, let's let's not forget recycling head coaches is not always a winning formula. If that's the case, then the Chargers wouldn't have recycled North Turner or Mike McCoy or Anthony Lynn. They wouldn't. It's but it's about finding the right coach putting the right assistants around him. And then obviously, yes, you construct the roster, how you base it off talent and putting these pieces around it. But then when it comes down to it, Dan, it's how you coach and you develop from that point. There's so many different levels of this that the Chargers have unfortunately failed at from the top down. I would love I would love to get like just a, a tell-all episode. Like us sit down with Brandon Staley I don't care when, before, after, doesn't matter. And I would love to hear like the truth about some of these things and like how much he was and how much he was enabled to succeed collectively. Like we've all heard kind of the, I don't know if they're rumors, but like the, you know, when he was brought in, who he wanted to have as his offensive coordinator. And that didn't happen. Like I, I just, I, I'm curious. You'll never know. I think Brandon Staley has too much pride. I think he's honorable in the sense that that's not the way he operates. But I just like there's something that is I don't want to say toxic, but there is something that is plaguing this team. And hell, maybe it's many things. I don't know. But I think Chargers fans at least deserve to have the conversation, to hear the conversation. And I hope the press pool 
does that. I hope that we can get some answers, at least attempt, attempt. Let them let them fail miserably. Put it on them. But some of the things that we're seeing these days, months, years, like it's big picture stuff. And like at the end of the day, you know, being a head coach is a thankless job. And they sign up for it. They get paid a whole lot of money to try and fix this problem. And he was hired to fix the issues and hired to kind of be the face of the organization. Fair or unfair, he has not succeeded this year and will most likely cost him his job. But the, I don't even want to say but, it's got to be frustrating for coaches while it's probably known, like it's what you sign up for, but like no matter what happens on the field, like if things are going south, it will be the head coach's fault. Everyone will blame the head coach if anything goes poorly and everyone will give praise to the players if things go well. Last night, Jake, I'm sitting there and, you know, defense is doing its thing, right? And like one bad play, fire Staley. Defense does damn well throughout the entire game. Crickets. Not one thing is said positively about the defense. The offense. Sputtering. Fires daily. But if the offense says, great, Justin Herbert's a goat. Go Kellen Moore. Like, that's the job. But fans are pretty jaded. And are, again, just they look for something to blame. Kind of rightfully so, too, Dan. Kind of rightfully so. So, do you, so like, it's, it's, like it's it's almost the same that Brandon Staley was telling that reporter that you know don't ask me that question again. You could stop asking that question. Well, no, no. When the when these are the results that we've seen over the past two and a half years, the peak of right, frustration. Right. I I get it. The peak of the frustration being the the loss in Jacksonville. The expectations that this team essentially has every single year. Sure. Yep. The, 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 like I said, the X factor from a coaching standpoint is that once you get the player, your job is all, it's ultimately to help elevate their play. Mm -hmm. And whether that was, that's Brandon Staley's responsibility on Kellen Moore's responsibility, Derek Ansley, any position coach responsibility. Agreed. That's shared, but collectively as a coaching group, they have not done that. Agreed. There, nobody can nobody can argue they have. So, when fans have had to sit here watching this product, like I said, when we introduced the show, and I went off on my little tangent that said it could be 2018 for all I know right now, is me saying the same crap five years later. Essentially, it's the frustration has boiled over to a point where you just have to accept that dose of reality and get ready to to ride the coming storm because yeah and it's and not I, over I, I guess and I, and I guess maybe some of the some of the the blame that you hear like it might be missed it might be missed but the larger point of it might be true like you know fire Staley because the offense isn't doing great like okay like I get like no, but in a macro sense, sure. 
so again, like there's, there's going to be a lot to unpack here. And we got to have a lot of discussion points here that I think we'll need more. Didn't even get much into the Exodos, but honestly, like the live show yesterday, it kind of takes a backseat in the bigger picture of things. And the Exodos, I, I, I will say one Exodos thing. You know, you and I were kind of talking and I think we both knew that the narrative of this game, you text me, like the narrative of this game is going to be that last offensive drive yes. for the Chargers. And or, sure I guess technically, technically the second to last drive. Correct. And sure enough, it is. There's a visual of that fourth down play, Jake, and what the receivers were running mm-hmm. and what the offensive line was doing mm-hmm. and where Justin Herbert had or did not have to go Mm -hmm. people that want like sure justin herbert wasn't perfect i'm not saying he was perfect there are some things he could have done better but anyone who is blaming justin herbert for that last drive doesn't know what the hell they are talking about and or has a clear biased agenda period I think there's a few people out there that we know who do that regularly yeah and you know you and i jake i think we kind of take it personally as like trying to like you almost want to defend your quarterback because you hate seeing some of this narrative that gets pushed but at this but at the same time you look at the rest of that game outside of the one drive and you're like yeah there were missed opportunities so it's it's hard it's hard to defend what happened last night, especially if you're just looking at it on the offensive side of the ball. It is. It is. But there's, there's so much nuance. X, X, yes, X's and O's aside, <laughs> the Chargers are where they are due to a shared unfortunate responsibility that has affected them through 12 weeks of the season. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry this was not like more positive, which I think it's pretty obvious. And pretty clear. I think it'd be irresponsible if it was. I think, Jake, I take pride in the fact that you and I both have stayed true to form and stand on the things that we have said and are saying and do things even if people don't agree with it. Like, that's okay. But I don't think anybody right now can honestly say that this is a good football team. And that's the hard truth for me to say for fans to acknowledge to accept but it's the truth and until you see systemic fundamental things changed that's the definition of insanity if those things don't change what change are you going to see we'll be here five years from now saying the exact same stuff we're saying today but until then, Jake, you're so close to draft season. Oh, I'm there. <laughs> I, I've been there, my friend. When a, when a later episode calls, calls for it, we'll talk about the potential replacements for said positions. Higher, higher ups as well. And then maybe so. we'll get pissed off when those said possible replacements are or are not picked right. again. But that's okay. That's what we yes. hear. That's what we hear. That's the joy of a fanatic. And covering this Chargers team. Almost every episode of Chargers Unleashed should be like put in a time capsule that will open five years from now and say, oh my God, look at it. Nothing's really changed. (laughs) Just repeat. Like episode 12, we'll just repeat it in two years. Uh, Never know what you were talking about. I know uh, this has been a long one, uh, but it needed to happen. Anything else you want to tell the great friends before we 
wrap this thing up again. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, the season is not over. That's that's how I'll say it right now. Oh, man, this is too much. Uh, I think we laugh so we don't cry. But like we always say, we're all this together. We're not going anywhere. We'll be here to cover all of it. Um, For Jake Hefner, Dan Wilkenstein, LAFB, Charges Unleashed. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Please hit the like and subscribe. Help us out a ton. If you want to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you guys hear us or see us, that would be amazing. We'll talk to you next time on Chargers Unleashed. Enjoy your week, everybody.